I'm Rupa Shinoy, and this is an Otherhood short. A lot of this show has been about tracking solidarity in moments of profound division. No weekend so far has been as emblematic of that as this past one. On January 27th, President Trump handed down an executive order banning travelers from seven Muslim-majority countries. The fallout was tremendous. People boarded flights unsure if they'd be allowed in the country when their plane landed. Many of them were detained at airports as lawyers and protesters rallied for their freedom. One of the seven countries on the list is Yemen, and I talked to Yemeni-American Summer Nasser, who's trying to help people there understand what's happening. Summer Nasser is a Yemeni-American college senior living in New York. She has a small business translating documents for Yemenis and answering their questions about visas, green cards, and travel tips. As you might imagine, she has been very busy since President Trump began talking about a travel ban, which included citizens of Yemen. Summer, how are you doing? I mean, how has this all happened for you over the past weekend? Oh, wow. Everything was just so overwhelming. I mean, just 24-7 overnight, things changed. And um, uh, pretty sleepless. And there's uh, I've been just running around, answering phone calls as much as I can overseas, in the states, different states at least, um, just trying to calm down the Yemeni community, especially here in the United States. So that's where who's been calling you? You've been mostly getting calls from inside the U.S.? Yeah, Yemeni um, Americans in the United States and different various states as well. And um, overseas too, we have Yemeni Americans and also Yemen green card holders um, in Yemen or in Djibouti and other um, countries where there's designated U.S. embassy posts for Yemeni cases. So what are you telling them? Do you know what to tell them? I have many cases, um, immigration cases for Yemenis, uh, especially for family petitions. And, um, you know, they're concerned. Some of them left overseas to with green cards to bring in their family with visas, um, whether it would be immigration visas or um, the R1s, which is marriage spousal visas. And uh, I'm trying to calm them down. You know, it was, it's very difficult, obviously, because they're on the other side of the world. So... Um, Speaking from New York, it's it's hard to really understand or even, you know, grasp their emotions. But, you know, I've been telling them just to sit put, wait it out, let's see how things play out, and then when it's safe to go book a flight and um, get out of there. And are people still okay with not having answers? I mean, how are they responding? Are they frustrated, angry? They are scared. Um, that's just what it is. They fear things because they fear the unknown. And so um, they need clarification. Unfortunately, they haven't received it from federal level officials, from local level officials. Right now, we just have lawyers. We have immigration consultants like myself and uh, just trying to analyze this order, this executive order to the best to, to, to simplify the, uh, the terms for these people. You were there when the war broke out in 2015. How hard was it for you to get back in the U.S.? Very complicated. I had to uh, deal with a lot of dangerous situations, things that I wish uh, would have never happened. However, I did have to leave. Um, And I also had my husband. I got married um, in the war as well. And he also was in the process of paperwork. And so, uh, you know, the the whole situation, I, I feel for everyone just because I've also witnessed the war and also witnessed experiencing bringing someone into the United States um, uh, in a safer in a safer environment. So it's very complicated. Traveled many different countries just to get back to New York, New York. And, um, you know, it worked out after six months being stuck in war. 
So the president's executive order says the U.S., quote, will conduct a review to determine the information needed from any country to adjudicate any visa, unquote. So who would the U.S. talk to in Yemen? It has two governments fighting a civil war. Hasn't our embassy there been closed for nearly two years? Yes, there's a big fraction of Yemeni Americans who don't understand this process. And yes, in the in the order, it does state that. And we're confused because we have two government. One is legitimate. One is based on a coup. And um, I have already scheduled a meeting with the ambassador of Yemen to the United States to discuss this and how we can develop a mechanism for these people that are stuck overseas. And, you know, it's not just in Yemen. People are stuck in Djibouti, in Malaysia, in Jordan, and, and just various, various countries and because of a war as well. So we have two situations that we're trying to grapple at the same time. I mean, Yemen is one of seven countries. How do you, do you think it'll be any different for Yemen as compared to the others? Will it rise to the top? Have you had any thoughts along those lines? Unfortunately, um, we do grab, we do deal with a lot of um, uh, issues on ground, and with the with the war, there are security concerns, which I understand. However, um, we aren't a threat. I mean, the for example, Syrian refugees in in the list as well um, have never done any um, damage to the United States, whether terrorist attacks, God forbid, um, or any type of uh, threat to the country. And so, when we have Yemen as well, which is uh, Yemenis don't. I mean, statistically, they are very low in numbers when it comes to any threats to the United States. But I am concerned because the the countries which have the most terrorists are not on the list, like Saudi Arabia, um, United Arab Emirates, Egypt. And it raises concern because that's not the whole purpose of this list, I assume. It's just that we already have a screening in the United States, and uh, this is based on the State Department and Homeland Security, and we follow through that, and we get approved the cases and visas because they check the background of each applicant. So I'm not really sure what this vetting process is. So just one more question. Just personally, uh, how much is this going to change your life now? I mean, it sounds like you're going into a whole new phase of your life now. Yeah, it's really overwhelming. I mean, I wake up every morning thinking that this really happened. You know, my passport doesn't say born in Yemen. However, I do fear for my mom, my dad. They're both citizens um, born in Yemen. And, you know, my concern is that should I let them travel? What if they get into issues um, at the screening or at any airport? You know, my husband, he's a green card holder. And I had told him, I said, I'm sorry, you can't travel. You have to stay put until... You know, we figure out what's going on and try to get you going with the citizenship, uh, you know, that you deserve. And so this is very personal uh, and it's 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 hurting a lot, thousands and thousands of people. I mean, you have no idea. There's people stuck in different countries because of the war in Yemen and also they're trying to get into the United States. And then you have also green card holder parents, for example, bringing siblings and they're stuck also and they don't know what to do. Should I leave my child in an unknown land? In an unknown land? Should I go back? Like, what's my situation? And that's the thing that we're trying to answer for them. And unfortunately, you know, we're trying our best, but it's just not good enough. As I continue to report for Otherhood, I'm going to try and bring you more conversations about how multicultural America is responding and engaging to the news in the form of these Otherhood shorts. Let me know what you think. Tell me if you have someone I should talk to. And come find me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm Rupa Shanoi, and this has been an Otherhood short from PRI. Well,